Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast. Welcome back, listeners, and welcome back, Bobby. This is our first episode after our summer break. We're now in season whatever it is. And uh, we're kicking off with something a bit different because I'm welcoming Bobby back from his summer experience of the Camino Way. Ooh. Ooh. And uh, I'm looking at Bobby now. We're in the same room together. So this is interesting. Unusual. It is, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. if you've uh, ever seen uh, sort of wild beasts that are a bit unkempt, uh, Bob has grown this extraordinary beard. How long is that staying for? Uh, oh, not long. I just, I thought I'd, I'd wear it into your presence so you could see the extent yeah. of my masculinity. But yeah. after five weeks, I can actually grow a significant beard, yeah. uh, but it is going to go. So. I just want to come in masculinity, but not virility. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that diminished long ago. To, to say the least. So what we're going to do yeah. is I'm going to ask you some questions. Mm. Uh, so Bob has done something called the Camino way mm -hmm. which i learned last night from him means way way because camino means the way it is it is the way of st james yes so let's start with geography let's start mm -hmm. with what is this what is the camino way so the camino is a ancient pilgrimage route back in the medieval period there were lots of pilgrimages that the faithful would take and so you could go on the pilgrimage to Rome, you could go on the pilgrimage to Canterbury, you could go on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and you could go on one to Santiago. Santiago is a city in the north-west of Spain, and it's supposedly where the remains of St. James are buried. And St. James, of course, is one of Jesus' apostles, and he was martyred and buried on this site in Spain. That's what people believe. And, uh, of course, the pilgrimage route was in existence for over a thousand years. Right, that was my question. When you said mm. going back, we're talking... Are you saying it started after the death of Jesus Christ? Oh, hundreds of years later. Oh, hundreds of years later. So somebody believed they found the remains of St. James okay. and then carried the remains over ah. the... Uh, the land of Spain to be buried in this particular place, which is where the cathedral Got it. was founded. And so back in medieval times, if you wanted to prove that you were a great Christian, you would go on one of these walks, find your way all the way there, which is a hell of a long way. It would have been a lot harder in those days than it was for me. And you would then uh, get some kind of special ticket into heaven, that sort of okay. thing. A lot harder because they're wearing sandals rather than things that you can buy and go outdoors. Well, quite. And mm. these days, of course, people still do these routes for uh, religious reasons. But mm. now people also do it for personal reasons. And it is a challenge because you start in a place called Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, which quite literally means St. John, the port of the feet. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's where you start walking from Your in France. Your step off. Absolutely. And then you walk over the Pyrenees, which is a tough first day. And then you spend the next 33, 35, 40 days walking right across Spain to Santiago. So that is what the Camino is, a long walk. So you've been away for, you've done this in just over five and a half weeks, something yep. like that. Yeah. Is that about the right pace? Are you sort of, are you fast? Are you slow? So I think they define that what you should do is roughly... 
days of about 20 kilometers okay some days 25 some days 18 and then on a few days it goes up to 30 32 so there are some longer days however there were people who looked at the prescribed routes and thought well i don't have time to do it in that period so i'll do 40 kilometer days and they were doing it in much mm. quicker times okay. some people do it on foot some people do it on bikes oh. these days lots of people do them on e-bikes which can be a bit of a nightmare when you're walking along listening to your headphones and can't hear them coming and uh, some people do them on motorbikes and in motorized ways mm. but yeah most people walk okay you said a second ago that it's a pilgrimage and people have their own reasons mm-hmm for what our listeners could know or what you think you'd share, do you know why you were embarking on this journey? So I knew about this walk about 25 years ago when I read a book by Paolo Coelho called The Pilgrimage. And he also wrote The Alchemist, which is a very famous book that many people will have heard of. The Pilgrimage is about a journey he took when he did this walk back in the 80s, when it was much less well organised um, as it is now. And I knew about it then. I thought, hmm, that'd be an interesting thing to do. Mm. And then for the next 20, 25 years, I've just completely put it off and forgotten all about it and, um, you know, not really thought about it. And then in the last year or so, uh, my life has had a few significant changes. And I thought, okay, my uh, my boys have reached an age where they're pretty mature. And if I don't do it now, I'm going to get a bit too old to do it. So I thought, well, I'm in my 50s. It's now or never. So I just uh, booked the time off with Anne. Um, and um, I was also ma- uh, able to go a bit earlier than I planned as well, which was good, and did it. So, mm. yeah, I, I thought it would be a good good thing to do to uh, challenge myself and also have some time to uh, think about the world, think about life in general. So every journey has to take the first step. So what you're saying is it potentially took 25 years to take this big leap. But, but yeah. circumstances made it far easier, in a sense, to go knowing this is the right time. That's very true. Uh, and in fact, on, on the day that I got to Saint-Jean, I'd had a hell of a journey to get there because it's a tough place to get to. It's right up near the Pyrenees. There's no very easy links to get there. So I actually flew to Bilbao in Spain, um, which is on the north coast. I then got a, a Flix bus mm. from Bilbao up to Bayon, uh, which is in France and then got a train from there up to Saint-Jean. So it's a hell of a journey to get there. Mm. And when I arrived at the Pilgrim office in Saint-Jean to get my Compostela, which is the card that you have to get stamps on at all the places that you stop, I was exhausted. And I I said to the chap there, it's taken me so long to get here. And I didn't Mm. just mean that day. No, exactly. I meant it's taken me 25 years of my life, or in fact, 53 years of my life, to get to this point and um, it is it's quite a difficult feat to get there and Mm. that was just me coming from England there were people who were coming from Australia Mm. America all over the world Mm. arriving into France or Spain and then finding their way cross-country to it some people even came to Pamplona which is on the route in Spain Mm -hmm. and they paid fortunes for cabs back over the Pyrenees to Saint-Jean where they were about to walk back the other way Mm. I mean that's how Odd it is. But you did get to experience a Flix bus, which my son Archie says are really rather good. They're excellent. Um, really good. And, yeah, fantastic. Uh, and perhaps without having a sidetrack, the <clears throat> public transport systems probably quite impressed you. Uh, in, yeah. And let me be clear, very reasonably priced oh, as well. Oh, Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we won't talk about HS2 or public bus services for now. <laughs> um, 
So you've given a good indication of the geography mm-hmm. and, as you say, the, the sort of terrain. Mm-hmm. You, you then set off, and mm-hmm. the strange thing is you're doing this solo, so there's, yeah. no, there's no one with you, no. but people are dotted about. I'm wondering what your opinion was on how am I going to interact with other people? Or was that decision taken away from you by somebody else instigating the first interaction? Um, so when you start, you do feel a bit exposed because it's uh, six in the morning and it's pitch black and you've got a, an elasticated torch on your head and a rucksack full of stuff, which suddenly feels incredibly heavy. And you start off walking on your own and very, very quickly you start to go up very steeply up the mountain effectively Mm. and it is quite daunting and I was very lucky to run into a young chap who was on the same thing as me and we walked together for the first couple of hours and chatted and that was very nice and that became a feature right the way through for the next 30 days that you would run across people who were either walking at your pace or a little faster Mm. or a little slower and you just got chatting and uh, that became the norm but initially you must prepare yourself for the fact that you will spend significant amounts of time completely alone, walking, reliant on your own uh, ability to find water and refreshment and food and take rests, etc. Um, but also being mindful of the fact that you want to get to the next place you want to get to within a reasonable time frame. And I should also point out that I started in the middle of August, which did have certain <coughs> advantages. But the disadvantage was that by by lunchtime most days, mm. it was 35 plus degrees, very, very hot. And so every day for the first two weeks, you're leaving in the dark before six to try and get as much distance done as possible before it got too hot. Yeah. The fact of being on your own, though, is a necessary part. Otherwise, you're not going to have the contemplative time to probably sure. consider why you're there what you're doing you know so so yeah. the stillness for someone like you who's quite gregarious and enjoys people mm. do you feel you've had enough time on your own so in the first week or so i did find that part the hardest bit of being on my own walking stopping sort of nodding at people and saying hello you might chat to some people in the evening for a bit but you kind of got used to that after a while mm. by the end the last few days, I found that I actually said to people, I haven't got long to go, I quite like to have to do it on yeah. my own, yeah. because you actually missed that time on your own. And you get into a routine, and it's really interesting that I did get into a routine mm. most days that I didn't really want to break too much. Yeah. So, you know, you get used to it. But it's good, isn't it? Because the heart and the mind are connecting. You're, you're, you're sort of an engine, aren't you? And it's mm. pumping. And it, yeah. You don't want to suddenly shift your pace too much because no. it doesn't feel right, does it? I mean, I think I should point out for listeners that, as I've actually mentioned on a few other podcasts, me and exercise in general are mm. not easy bedfellows. And uh, I have done minimal training for this over the last few months. I've been on a few walks, a few 12 milers, that sort of thing. I sort of wore in my boots so they weren't too painful. Um, <laughs> and and it, But it took me two and a half weeks to reach a relatively good level of fitness during mm. this yeah and that was accompanied by agonizing blisters for uh, i saw the photos last night they looked um like potentially a piranha had, had had a go at you oh 
I mean, your feet take some punishment. Mm. And you can spend hundreds on boots and walking trainers. Makes no difference. The heat, the rubbing, the intensity. And and if you're Mm. going steep downhill or steep uphill and it's rough underfoot, you are going to get blisters. There's no doubt about it. So you invest in these really good blister plasters. And then I bought some insoles to go inside my boots so there'd be a bit of cushioning. And EU Strength Ibuprofen which made it possible... Is that 1,000 milligrams? <laughs> no, it's not. It's 400 each. <laughs> okay, nice. So you get 800 for every two. Yeah. And that, that nullifies the pain for a few hours in order for you to walk. But then in the evening, you take the boots off, and I had some cheap sandals I bought just to walk around in the evening. Oh, my God. There were some evenings I was just hobbling around. Yeah. Like there's something seriously wrong with me, which there was. And it took me a while to get used to that. But then once you've done that, and your feet somehow harden... Yeah, yeah. You then really feel good, because, yeah. and your body goes, "Well, okay, oh, it's the twenty-five kilometers, is it right? Let's do it." Yeah, and you just quite look forward to it. You quite yeah. like it, and um, I'm no, amazed I get that. at that. I'm amazed at that. I didn't think I would ever get to that. No, and when you told me when you flew back the next day on Sunday, you got up, and walked twelve miles again. You know, you just want to keep moving. You do right. want to keep moving, and I know that I will do less. I hope that you continue. I um, want to, but yeah. it's just time, isn't it? And, well, it's. You know, but the the early start thing is mm. is the key, isn't it? Before the rest of the world is up, you can break the back of something. You could. You could. You're listening to Bob and Jeremy's Conflab, brought to you by Reality Training. Reality Training are a leading sales and management training company specialising in helping big brands do much better through increasing their sales, their customer experiences and the way that their managers deal with their people. You can find out much more about us at our website, realitytraining.com. Now let's come to one of my favourite topics. So if I was going on this, and I'm sure you'll have a bearing on this, I'd want to know what I'm going to eat, uh, the regularity of that Mm -hmm. intake of fuel, Mm -hmm. and of course I'd be very concerned about how I slept. Okay. So let, let's deal with something that that I can probably um, get more into before I'm aghast at the other. So how do people eat and drink on this walk? I mean, how, how well is it fashioned to, to cater for the pilgrims? So uh, you stay in albergues, and albergues are hostels. And in some cases, they're beautifully designed, uh, well put together hostels where you have dormitory rooms with bunk beds, sometimes not bunks, but uh, but single beds. They're quite comfortable and I'll come on to the sleeping arrangements in due course. The albergues are reasonably priced between 8 and 15 euros a night which is very reasonable for a a night somewhere with hot showers and um, all that sort of thing that you would expect. They don't all provide food, some do some don't. The ones that provide food will do a menu del dia of starter, main course and dessert with wine and that's normally about 12 euros. So you get a bed and a meal for 22, 25 euros a day, which is really good value, actually. So that is quite good. The food quality varied depending on the type of albergue. Is it kind of minor public school school dinners? I think that describes it almost perfectly, actually. There's a few little Spanish uh, sort of tilts towards the Spanish thing. Sometimes you get paella, you know, that sort Mm. of thing. With the prawns in? Oh, yeah, yeah, all all the bits and pieces. Is it um, is it a lot of pork? Because Andrew lived in Spain, said that the Spanish could only ever eat pork. No, I didn't. I, we okay. had serrano ham occasionally, but nice. uh, I'd have steak sometimes. Sometimes there'd be chicken. 
sometimes there'd be a, a nice soup to start. They love their soups mm. because in, you're in the north of Spain. So and you initially start out as you come across and you're in the Basque country. Mm-hmm. And so there, they don't use a lot of olive oil. They use a lot of duck and goose fat to cook in. So it's quite a different, heavy... Fl- it's quite filling, food. though. Oh, very filling. But what you find is that during the day, you're not hungry at No, all. and the heat and stuff, yeah. you don't want to eat in the heat, so, do you? So rarely in the morning would I have breakfast. So your main meal's in the evening? Yes. Yeah. So you'd leave in the early hours, walk for about three or four hours and stop for a coffee. If they were selling bananas, you might have a banana yeah, or a couple good. of boiled eggs. Coffee quite good? Excellent. Black? Really lovely. Oh, I cafe con leche. Okay. Um, and then and then lunchtime, uh, if you were near where you were going to be staying, you'd go into a bar and have a, a beer, ice cold beer, had some amazing ice cold beers, with tortilla, Spanish omelette. And that was a, a daily thing that you'd have. Yes, yeah, Spanish omelettes. Have you come out with a favourite Spanish beer? Um, yes, actually. Alhambra. Oh, yeah, that is available uh, here. Yeah, yeah, that is a really, really nice crisp lager. That was lovely. But they were all very good. But what they're very good at in, in Spain is if you ask for a grande, yeah. the biggest glasses are always in a fridge or freezer. Excellent. Like You've got this ice-cold glass. That's they good. pour it in. Mm. And when it's 40 degrees and you've been sweating all the way along, your, your feet are agony and you're chafing everywhere, which a I won't go into. A proper cold lager glass. beer. Yeah. It didn't touch oh. the side. It was just yeah. heaven. However, in the first few days, because of the heat, you were so thirsty, you had uh, orange Fanta or yeah. Casnarancha, which is a really nice yeah. uh, uh, drink, because you wanted the sweetness and the sugar and the kind of, you know, that kind before of thing. Before you move to before the, before you move to to the, the lager, yeah. But yeah, so, so in general, the food was pretty good. However, when I got to the cities, mm. uh, there were two big cities on the route, which were uh, Burgos and Leon, but you also go through Pamplona and Lorogno and a couple of others and um, in the cities you'd eat better much mm. better well more yeah. more visitors more international well more more cosmopolitan cuisine I suppose correct yeah. and uh, we had some lovely food uh, in, in the cities but on, when, when you're on the road it was the menu del dia most of the time so you've eaten the menu del dia mm-hmm. you're now going to bed yes so let's have an insight into what bedtime looks like lights out at 10 yeah. so now when I first thought that I thought it's ridiculous but actually, if you're getting up at five, you're more than happy after 25 It's, it's back to the minor public school again. Correct. You're <laughs> happy to go to sleep. Yeah. So most people pass out pretty quickly because you've been walking all day, you're exhausted. Yeah. Then at about one, uh, normally when I was getting up for a quick wee, you realise that you were amongst a cacophony, yeah. a choir of snores. And not just any old snores, Jeremy. Snores from all over the world. Yeah. You had Korean snores, Japanese snores, American snores, Australian snores, German snores. What's the French worst? snores. Hard to internationalise the snore. Mm. That one particular guy snored so loudly in my ear, I could have punched him. Yeah. Um, I've since learned from you that there was another strategy I could have adopted with shoes, but I, I didn't do that. <laughs> but what I did do was invest in some ear uh, things that yeah. you stick in your ears. And then that muffles it enough for you just about to get to sleep. I guess you, you're right. It, it, instead of alcohol enabling you to drift off to sleep, the sheer exercise that you've done is, is, yeah. your, is your labour, yeah, isn't absolutely. it? That's what helps you sleep. The other thing you have to do is stretch before you go to sleep oh, and stretch yeah. in the morning. Otherwise, mm. your legs are like lead the next day. Mm. And um, once you've done that, then it's bearable. The beds aren't that comfy. They're kind of mattresses covered in rubber, mm. plastic. Right. And you get given a one-use sheet that you put over it and no. over the pillow. What do they do with that? Chuck it? It's just made of like very light, uh, disposable... Kind muscle. of paper, is mm. it? Oh, yes, yeah. that's it. Wow. And you chuck those every day. 
um, which is uh, which is quite interesting. Mm. And I had a sleeping bag with me. I used it once in the whole time because most of the time you just lying just lying there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's still in the evening, even with the sky out. It's is it sort of twenty degrees in the evening. Well, there was one night I was in a place in uh, Punta de la Reina where it was twenty six degrees at yeah. night, and I took my sleeping roll out and fell asleep on a terrace. There was an outside mm. terrace under the stars, and um, within I I was in a deep sleep. Everybody else from the hostel came out and got, came onto the terrace as well. Just to be out. And the lady who ran the place heard about this, came down at one in the morning, was so embarrassed that people had done this, she brought all the mattresses off the bed onto the terrace, and we all slept out under the stars. Mm. And it was absolutely fabulous. It was mm. the coolest place, and I really I really enjoyed that. That was a, yeah, a moment good. of joy. That was really good. Mm, lovely. So let's, let's get on to sort of laughter and stuff, because it's quite earnest. You're... You're, uh, you know, continually walking. You're continually mm-hmm. perspiring. But mm-hmm. there must be some moments of laughter. There must be some moments of, of intense joy. So can we have an yeah. insight into how you broke through to some, you know, because that's cathartic as well, isn't yes, it? How do yes. you break through to some release through to humour? Well, there's lots of humour about the actual state of people's feet. So that is a, a classic thing where I took one picture of my foot and you're right, it looked like somebody had set about my foot with a hammer. I mean, yeah. it really was in a bad way. And the pain that you're in is uh, quite, quite high. And the blisters, that, as and when they come up, you know, you, you dread them. And everyone shares that. Mm. And that, that's highly amusing uh, to a level. Then you also get characters. So you get characters for whom everything goes wrong for. Mm. And you feel sorry for them, of course, because you, you, you don't you don't want that for anyone really. But it becomes that, that that warrants you know a nickname for a certain type. God knows what people call me, um, but everyone had sort, sort of reputations for being a certain type of person. Um, there were lots of uh, taking the Mickey out of certain types of food. There were there was speeches, songs. There was the fact that um, most most of the people from China, South Korea, Japan had no idea what you were saying to them almost the entire time. So there was quite a lot of that. Just grinning and sort of nodding. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, but also sometimes you would, uh, you'd meet very gruff uh, Spanish bar owners mm. who seemed that, you know, the, the inconvenience of having somebody coming in and asking for a, a cup of coffee was just almost too much. And so that was quite, quite good as well. Um, but really the, the, the humour was in uh, getting to know people and just gently mocking people's frailties which were mm. many and varied um, but also understanding that we're all in the same boat so it's a bit like a team you know going through a, a football team or a mm. sports team going yes. through, you're all going in the same direction and so there's that kind of good natured joshing yeah. which kind of gets you that's along that's nice and uh, there was one funny time where I was coming down through Rioja which is a beautiful region vineyards and mountains absolutely stunning and I was walking down this valley and a, an American girl who I'd met an hour or so earlier had walked past me. We had a little chat. She moved on. I suddenly saw her head emerge above a bush at the side of the road. I said, what the hell are you doing? And she said, oh, I really need to pee, but people keep walking by. And I said, well, go into the vineyard. And she said, I don't like to. I said, darling, you won't be the first and no. you won't be the last. You know, th- th- that sort of thing happens all the time. Of course. And, and sometimes people need to go to the loo you know, anywhere in, in ditches at the side of the road. Yeah. You know, I have to say, I never had to do that. Thank God. Well so when, you, when you've got to go, you've got to go. Yeah. So there's quite a lot of that sort of toilet humour, really. Which is quite <laughs> good fun. So let's 
let's imagine now all of us we go on holidays in our lives we meet people mm -hmm. who we might see through our children playing mm -hmm. or on the beaches and then there's some people we think we'll see again mm. so so who who do you think you've made a real connection with that you probably will continue being in touch with and they may become a you know someone who becomes a significant person well there's very very many of those great i don't have time to uh, to name them all um but uh, i got to know quite a few people with a huge uh, spread of ages as well every, every everything from late t people in their late teens into their early 70s you know it was a huge cross-section of society um, but there were one or two I'll pick out. So I walked for quite a long time with a chap called Hugh. Hugh is an actor from Wales, and some people will recognise him. He's uh, Nessa's dad in Gavin and Stacey, and uh, he was walking the Camino for charity, and we became friends very early on, and uh, we were very much souls in the same wavelength, and uh, we will remain in contact. We supported each other through some very tough periods on the walk, but also, you know, he was a great person to have dinner with in the evening and, you know, have a laugh about it. And um, yeah, that was a big, big one. Uh, I also met a lovely chap called Jim from America who was 68. And we had a wonderful day together walking down a very high, steep mountain. And it was tough going, but we just shared the day together and had a nice chat and got on really well. And then fell into a beautiful bar where we had some of the coldest beers of the Camino, and that mm. was fantastic. <laughs> so there's little moments like that which make it very special. At the same time, there were people who I would see regularly, and some of them uh, will remain very, very strong friends. And I made a little speech on the last night at a, at a dinner uh, where I just said, it's lovely that we're all here from all over the world, and that's so rare. And that, that's the point, that you're meeting people from a cross-section of humanity who will never come together in mm. that way ever again. And that in some ways is quite sad, but it's also very inspirational that everyone felt the same way. Everyone felt that what they were doing had a you know a valid reason and whatever their reasons were for doing it, it bonded you yeah. as pilgrims on that walk. Yeah, it, I suppose the comforting factor is that however sad it may be, it's the identical situation that, that they're in, which yes. is what we can gain comfort from. So, you know, the great one-offs are not just one-offs for the individual. They're all in that no, boat. And, and, and actually, just to support that, the younger people who were doing it, who were inspirational, incidentally, some of them were 19, 20, 23, 28. That's incredible. You know, younger people doing these walks. I really envied them, their fitness and their general level of health, of course, but also the fact that their perspective on the world would be forever altered by this walk and when I was 19, I went backpacking and went around Europe and went to America. And I did a little bit of travel, but that was the last time I did it. Mm. And here I am now, 53, doing something similar again. I wish I'd done this sort of thing more. I wonder what my life would have been like had I done this when I was younger and met a group of people then. Or, well, and done that sort that's of a perfect segue into my sort of big questions. So if you if again, these aren't necessarily destinations. Mm. places so so there's they say that there's um four key questions to ask anyone when they return from the camino mm -hmm. the first one is where have you been and where have mm -hmm. you been isn't just oh i've been to the shops um it's <laughs> it's where have you been so how would you answer that um yeah i've been on a long journey mm -hmm. and it was a journey where uh i was on a quest actually right 
there's lots of jokes about the Lord of the Rings and Gandalf that's and good that sort of thing you know you're on a quest to get from some place to another with a group of people and in fact similarly to Lord of the Rings many of us got tattoos when we got to Santiago as well where have you been is this um, this combined objective to get to this place 500 miles across Spain and you're doing it for various reasons but you've been somewhere in a group mm -hmm. and you've also been somewhere which is uniquely personal mm. so are you able to answer where where you are now I feel really fortunate to have done this and I have I'm still coming to terms with the fact that I've done it and it seems to have gone by so quickly and in fact the last two weeks flew by even when you were doing long days maybe because you were fitter and getting faster it got quicker and quicker and quicker and now it's over it feels really odd not to have to get up and and walk 20 kilometers okay. so where I am now is still transitioning yeah realizing that it's over and realizing that you have to go back to normal life and thinking well what the hell has come from that well the next question might help then so in a transitioning period we then begin to ask the next question which is where am I going I don't know it's the short answer <laughs> but I do know that wherever I go it will be affected by what I've done it will, but if, but in, in, a, in a sense, there's also that question of who am I? Yes. Who am I now? How have I changed? Mm. Have you got, even if it's a major, you said some things to me last night, whether they're for sharing or not, but mm. some, of the, some of the distinct changes in perhaps your, how you view things, uh, mm. perspectives mm. Or, or mistakes we don't wish to repeat. Uh, totally. Uh, um, and you have plenty of time, especially across the Meseta, which is... A nine-day, not a lot happening not in Spain area, and, yeah. you're, and you're meant to use it to think about your life and, and what have you. And after about three days, you think, "Well, I've kind of done that now," but it's endless. That must be like sort of Didcot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can think of yeah, Dover. Uh, as we well. could we could stick in a few places. Sorry, um, listeners, if you're from there. Um, no, I I think you 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 do think you think a lot about about your life and where you're going. What mm. you try and do is deal with stuff so for example in your life there may be things that you put off thinking about and dealing with okay? yeah because they're just too hard or too difficult or too painful now when you're walking like this on your own in the middle of a field and there's nobody around you've got nothing else to do but think about this stuff so you mm. think okay let's look at this i've got the time i may as well think about it and you think about it from different angles and you think about this happened that happened what about this what about that you look at it from all different possible perspectives mm -hmm. And then at some point, you, whether you consciously think this or not, your mind has in some way dealt with that thing. Okay. Whether it's reached a conclusion or not is another matter, but it's definitely a shift. spent time on it. Mm. And then by the time you get to the end, you then think, well, I've kind of dealt with that now. And I'll, give, and I'll give you the example of that. I felt that when I got to Santiago, that I would be extremely emotional. And some mm. people enter the, the square and, and they cry for hours because it's so it's such a big event to get to mm. that place I thought I would be the same I was emotional but not to that extent yeah and I really thought about that and I came to the conclusion that I had left a lot of my issues such as they are I'd left them on the road absolutely and dealt with them there 
and I'd no real wish to return to them actually yeah. and um, and that is a good thing and so I think if you are at a stage in your life where A you have some time but B have stuff that you just want to shift and kind of move on from a bit yeah this sort of experience does give you that it allows you to do that would you say that the the coupling of physicality with thinking is the secret because a lot of people say that that if you just want to go to go somewhere and just think it has considerably less benefit if you think and move a lot a lot of people a lot of uh, the people who write about exercise marathons walking retreats they say the physicality coupled with the thinking is is the is the magic balance well i can also say that if you link the movement with thinking with music okay i think that really shifts because when i started the walk i prepared a, a playlist called bob's camino available on spotify please look it up and over the five and a half odd weeks that playlist changed mm. so the types of songs i was listening to early yes. doors moved off and yeah. new ones came on and that that then and i would skip on to songs that were more how yes. i was feeling yes. to listen to so your brain goes well i don't need that song that's sad and depressing and blah 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 that's now. right i need something yeah. upbeat and positive and romantic and so you move on in your brain in in that way and um and for me that was the kind of meditative bit where i'd be walking along listening to my songs mm. And, and sometimes, you know, you need a bit of energy and suddenly you get Led Zeppelin ramble on and you're just absolutely chomping mm. up the kilometres. And then sometimes you're feeling a bit, you know, melancholic. And I remember about a week and a half before the end, I remembered a song that you will know from the 80s that I hadn't heard for years. And it is uh, Simple Minds Promised You a Miracle. Oh, wonderful. It's a fantastic song. Mm. And I put that on. And my God, I was sort of dancing along, you know, using my stick as a as a prop. God knows what people thought. I was, you know, miming bass with my stick, uh, you know, mm. for long periods. And that is a wonderful feeling where you've just got the freedom to think about mm. it. I must just mention as well, when you're going through certain areas, you're going up paths that have been walked on for over a thousand yeah, years. That's phenomenal. And there's green moss growing down and it's very medieval, very mm. medieval. And you just feel very fortunate to be on your own, surrounded by beautiful views and surroundings. And it makes you feel very insignificant, but also very, very fortunate. So I listened to a wonderful uh, interview with a man who's written a book about called Awe, A-W-E, mm. not O-A-R. <laughs> and uh, he says that, the, in his opinion, the one universal combining uh, thing that requires no language is shared awe. So mm. you and a you and a Korean, mm. you and a mm. Japanese, you mm. don't speak the language, but you look at this. And oh, if you yeah. have a collective experience of all, that you don't need anything else. Well, that is a fantastic statement. I think that's so true. Mm. And it reminds me of the day in Rioja because mm. we left Logroño, which some people liked it. I thought it was a very dull city, frankly. And it, it takes you about eight kilometers to get out of the city, you know, walking through suburbs and yeah. getting out. And I was very relieved to be off from there. And I'd just forgotten that we were going from one province into another. And so we're walking along roadsides and it was all pretty dull. And suddenly the pathway changed and it went very rough and ready and up up, up a very steep hill. And I came out the other side and suddenly the land just fell away and there were vineyards in every direction and beautiful mountains in the distance. 
and clouds coming in and it was absolutely breathtaking i mean so stunning mm. you i didn't expect it i didn't i wasn't ready for that level of beauty at that moment at that time and that happens a lot on the camino mm. and there's four or five very high mountains 12 14 1600 meters above mm. sea level that you're going up which is very high and you you kind of dread them really but when you get to the top the views are so beautiful and you could only see those views by doing that of walk. course because you, you, know, you can't yeah. you can't reach it and any other yeah, yeah that's and, great and so that is unforgettable yeah and that's worth everything yeah wonderful so people who have something to think about something to reframe something to move on from they should be seriously considering this some people were in career breaks so they finished mm -hmm. a job and they had six months before a new job was starting so they thought right, this okay. is the time i'm going to do this at the same time i know that many of those people got way more from this than yes. they realized yeah. they didn't quite realize what it was all about i met one lovely chap who was looking for love on the camino and uh, he found it that's great and i thought that was really wonderful some people were just looking for peace and time and they didn't really want to mix much with other people and that's great you know that's their that, that's absolutely their choice mm. but what you kind of got the understanding of was that most people who were doing that walk of which there were many thousands in fact the day that i arrived in santiago three and a half thousand people got certificates so that's in a day Gosh, on doing yeah, that's a lot of people no. everyone doing it was doing it for a reason, was getting something out of it, and most of them were pretty nice people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think you've given us lots today. It sounds, in a, in a way, life-changing, because without accessing this part of you, you you almost weren't able to access these these places that you're thinking now without doing this. So uh, mm. you're, you're, you're you. changed. Um, well, I don't think I've changed fundamentally. But you've changed a bit. I think one thing you said last night, which you've not said today, uh, which I'm going to check to see how well you stay on it, was you, you, you told me a story about uh, judging and how we often judge people. Absolutely. And I'm happily, uh, happily tell you that. And you, yeah. Yeah. And there was a chap who I, I noticed early doors and I barely engaged with him, but I just made a snap judgment. He probably wasn't my type. Yeah. And it was a snap judgment. I didn't know him at all. And then... I ran into him a week or so later and I realized that he was carrying something significant and emotional and I thought yeah that that is one of my habits I'm quick quick sometimes to judge mm. people as many yeah. of us do and somebody said to me well actually we all do that and sometimes you're right so you shouldn't feel quite so bad about that but I think actually uh, on something like this you've got the time to actually get to understand people and yeah. get to know them and that's a salutary lesson yeah. But also, I, I think the other side of that is it comes back to that thing about emotion. That person was doing that walk for a strong emotional reason. Not everybody has that, but they very often find what it is that, they're, that they are walking it for. I met a German chap, lovely young guy, uh, who was walking it for personal reasons. And he said to me uh, on the last day, you've changed completely over the mm. last five weeks. Mm. And I thought, I said, wow, you know, I mean, we'd had you know, mm. three or four conversations. I didn't know that mm. I'd, I didn't feel significantly changed, but he'd seen it. And I thought, well, if I am, then good. I'll take mm. that. I'll take mm. it. Absolutely. Mm. No, 
if, if someone's seeing you a lot within a short period of time, maybe they can see the small incremental changes. When you don't see someone for a while, you have to spend a longer period with them to go, you've changed, don't you? Mm, absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing your stories. Thanks for tuning in. So we kicked off the season with, you know, a really important uh, interview and, and podcast to do. We'll be back with more stuff. Stay tuned. Lots of fun stuff coming up. So thank you for subscribing. Cheers for now. Bye. Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast. Thank you.